Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be giving you all a recap of the Thunder Phoenix Suns game and just some key parts to the night. I'm talking about everybody being able to contribute. I'm talking about SGA looking like an absolute star once again. Al Horford shining. A lot of great moments from this one, and I'm giving it to you from start to finish of this game. So, coming into the game itself, the Thunder kind of didn't know if Horford or George Hill were going to play. Horford ends up playing, Hill's not there, so Teo Maladone gets the call up once again to be our starting shooting guard alongside our usual starting unit. And for the Phoenix Suns, they didn't have Devin Booker in their starting lineup, so they had to rearrange their lineup a little bit. They had to have CP3 at the 1, Mikhail Bridges at the 2, Cameron Johnson at the 3, Jay Crowder is the guy who fills in at the 4, and then you have DeAndre Ayton at the 5. So it seemed like a good lineup. Both sides kind of had some missing pieces here and there, but looked like a good game heading into the Thunder's Last game of their five-game road trip. And in the first quarter, it uh, I mean, it didn't look that good for the Thunder, honestly. They had some shooting woes from deep. They shot nine of their first ten shots from outside. They wanted to get a lot of points up in multitudes very, very quickly, but they just couldn't find the mark. They only made two of those first nine attempts, and... That's what allowed the Phoenix Suns to take an early 13-6 lead. Not that bad considering we only started shooting 2 of 10 from the game. So, the Thunder will definitely take that. And the lead kind of hovered around the 7-point mark in the first. And Dagnault was kind of just throwing in random lineups all over the place in the first quarter. And normally, we don't see any adjustments in the starting lineup until like the 10 minute mark in the first quarter i'd say like dagnault has our usual starters out there almost the entire time the two minute mark is where you tend to see people like diallo kendrick williams and roby kind of filter in and out of there same goes with like mike muscala and maldon you you get what i'm where i'm going with that but that's not what happened mark dagnault was just swapping players out like crazy by the five minute mark in the first quarter, every single starter outside of SGA had been subbed out. So there were a ton of different rotations flying for like 30 seconds. Like every dead ball, it seemed like somebody was going in and out. So it kind of led to a crazy pace in the first quarter. And there wasn't a lot of movement inside when these starters were in there. So we only had three assists. And then once we started getting new people coming in like Roby off the bench, Muscala off the bench, the style kind of got switched up to like this high ball screen, push the pace tempo, and SGA and the rest of the guys were just not really ready for that. They had seven first quarter turnovers, and of course that is going to hurt things. And something that translated not just dependent on like the pace of things, like with turnovers, no matter who we were throwing out there, we could not stop the Phoenix Suns from downtown. They were scorching hot from distance. They shot 6 of 11 from the three-point arc in that first quarter, and it helped them jump out to an early 15-point lead. They were up 32 
to 17 through 1. And in the second, they started out guns blazing once again. They were running the five out, and they were just penetrating the crap out of all the Thunder Bigs. They were taking bits and pieces out of Isaiah Roby and Mike Muscala, and they got a 17-point lead. And if you guys do not know at this point, a 17-point lead is kind of like a strike of bad luck. It seems like in this road trip, one team has always had a 17-point lead, and it's never stood. And that's exactly what happened to the Phoenix Suns, because the Thunder, they saw how well the 5-out was working. They just ripped it right out of Monty Williams' playbook. And they were running it with an occasional high ball screen. The lead got cut down to 10, like with the snap of a finger. There was just under 6 to go when that happened. And they were like on the brink of breaking this game wide open once again. Because it seemed like the Suns had really tried to ice this one early. No, that's not what happened, because the Thunder, they kept going with this little run they had, and they built it up to a 24-4 run by the end of the quarter, the final eight minutes, 24 Thunder points to the Phoenix Suns' measly four, and that gave the Thunder a 45-42 lead at the halftime. And OKC rolled out just two lineups in this span. They were going all over the place in the first quarter, Second quarter, they settled down. The lineup was Maladone at the 1, Dort at the 2. They had Poku at the 3, Baisley at the 4, and Horford at the 5. That was their first lineup. That's kind of how they cut it to 10. And once Dagnall kind of got the gears rolling, like, hey, we could really have something here. Let's try to get back into this game. They end up plugging SGA in at the point guard. They slide Maladone up to the 2 spot. Dort goes to the three, Baisley goes to the four, Horford's at the five. So we get our starting lineup out there to close out the half, and it wound up being critical to trying to get back into the game. And the guys kind of started off their little run driving inside. I think Poku kind of lit the uh, lit the gas there. He had a nice inside layup. Once they kind of queued into some of the drives, I think Dort got hot from three, and then it spread onto guys like SGA and Maladone once, you know, the, the main starting group uh, showed up. Same goes with Al Horford, too. He was not missing either. So the Suns had way too much stuff to worry about, and they could never really just strike down on one particular thing. They're, one possession, they're protecting the drive. Next possession, they're going for the three. And the Thunder kept just flipping the switch over and over again. They didn't know what to expect. And that's what ended up leading to the Thunder being up. And before this little run the Thunder had, they were shooting just 2 of 6 in the first 4 minutes of the quarter. And 0 of 1 from downtown. But when the run began, they could not be stopped. They shot 10 of 18 from the field. And 3 of 7 from outside, so a little bit above where we'd like. That's still solid numbers, though, in terms of percentages. And so that's really good offense there. The Phoenix Suns were not able to fire back at all. I mean, 4 points? Are you serious right now? They shot just 4 of 25 in the entire quarter. So if you want to just isolate down like the last 8 minutes... They may have only got like one or two of those field goals. Hell, they could have just got all their points off the charity stripe. They just couldn't get anything to go regardless though. 
and they only had 10 points to show for their efforts in the second. They shot 4 of 25 for 16% and 0 of 11 from 3. That strikes early disaster for Phoenix, and it put the Thunder in a great spot heading into the second half. And as the second half kicked off, what did, what did OKC do? They went right back to the bread and butter. They wanted to keep going to the three-point line. Al Horford was actually leading our team with 11 points by half, and they boosted it up to 17 very, very fast because, you know, DeAndre Ayton wasn't stepping up. Give it to Horford. Splash. Next possession. Same exact scenario. Splash. Get six quick ones. Then I think we got like a Hamadou Diallo layup or something. So we go on like an 8-2 run. And OKC gets on a 13-point lead at the 8-minute mark. But then the Suns kind of broke their super-duper cold streak that they were having. Not just in terms of the field, but from the three-point line. They missed 16 three-pointers in a row until Jay Crowder finally got the lid off of the basket he knocks down a three and it just opened up pandora's box threes were flying in left and right from the phoenix suns starting group and they dropped 18 straight points on oklahoma city's head to get a five point lead and luckily for the thunder they still had a little bit of juice left in them because they saw you know the suns going on a crazy run they wanted theirs they got on an 11-2 run in the final 2 minutes and 45 seconds to take back the lead, 73-71, going into the 4th quarter. And in the 4th quarter, Hamadou Diallo goes back to his 2nd quarter ways, get 4 quick ones for the blue, and then Chris Paul... You know, we all know he has that clutch gene. We saw it firsthand last season with the Thunder. He ended up scoring 11 points in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Nine of those he had, like, consecutively. No one else was making shots but him, pretty much, in the first six. And he pretty much just put them on his back. And that gave the Phoenix Suns a three-point lead with just six to go. So not much chatter goes on from the 6-minute to the 3-minute mark. But once the 3-minute mark hits, Oklahoma City turns up a little bit. And they went on a 7-0 run starting at that 3-minute mark to get a 3-point lead with 90 seconds to go. And Chris Paul, he kind of got a little tacky, uh, tacky foul call to get to the free throw line right after that. And he's going to obviously knocked down his free throws he shaves the thunder lead to just a single digit with just around a minute to go and the thunder missed on their possession so chris paul had a perfect opportunity to take the lead back to phoenix on his previous team so chris paul goes up for a signature pull-up mid-range the shot was no good and because of that OKC got to play the free throw contest for probably the fifth game in a row. And SJ, he's the guy once again playing the game. So he goes up there and he hits both free throws. Three-point lead for the Thunder with around a minute. Chris Paul, he has another chance to tie the game with a three. He comes off of this gigantic screen 
from DeAndre Ayton. He pretty much got wide open. I think Dort was trying to go over the screen. He didn't really make a lot of contact there. So Chris Paul had a straight shot at the basket, and he airballed the shot. And that pretty much did it right there because the Thunder got the ball. SGA got the uh, pair of free throws. He got intentionally fouled, and he hit both of them to give the Thunder a five-point lead. That was all she wrote. Thunder took this one 102-97. And it seems like these exciting Thunder games just keep coming on. Everybody's saying that, you know, we're not going to continue to see this high level of play. I don't know, guys. This seems like this may be something we see um, quite often. I don't know at the same level every single game, but there's definitely going to be moments where we're down to the wire with some of these teams and going on crazy runs like we did against the Phoenix Suns. And one of the reasons I think that we can do that is we have so many options. And this was really emphasized in Wednesday's statement win. Everyone was getting minutes and opportunities, particularly early in this game. Every single player who played in Wednesday's game played in that first quarter. Normally, the first quarter rotations are like seven to eight guys. The Thunders was 11. We are seeing every single person possible out on the floor. You got Justin Jackson sizing up for a couple plays, then swapping him out for Kendrick Williams. Right after that, you're going to see a little bit of Alexi Pokachevsky. Just everyone going in and out. And obviously, it resulted in some early pacing issues. And that's why the Suns took a big advantage. But it also just gives some insight to the coaches on who they should have in the rest of the game. Like, for instance, I didn't actually think that Al Horford returning would be a good thing for this team. I thought Isaiah Roby was doing a solid job with the Thunder, and just the pacing we had was awesome. Like, modern-day NBA centers right now cannot keep up with Isaiah Roby, and at the pace SGA is slashing the basket, the pace Diallo is slashing the basket, Dort even, it's kind of ridiculous, and SGA can facilitate to the outsides, so the kind of sporadic play that we were having was really fun, but we were able to see Al Horford early tonight, and he just proved to be a very, very critical part in our success. All in all, in this game, he ended up having 21 points. But if we would have just gone around and not really given him a fair shot at things, we just kind of swap him and Romy in and out, it wouldn't have resulted in him playing so successful. Like, we could have just told Al Horford, you know what, man? We're in this super long road trip. Why don't you just stay settled in Oklahoma City? You can meet back up with us on Friday against the Nets. He probably would have been okay with that. But Al Horford showed the commitment to want to play. The Thunder are going to give him the opportunity to play. And sure, he may have had some rust. He definitely did not show it. And he made a big statement in the game. And some of these lineups that, you know were able to be strung up in the night were, were just so, so fun. The particular ones that I'm talking about kind of came in that second quarter where you had Maladone, Dort, Poku, Baisley, and Horford, and then just the starting unit that we had. I thought that one kind of gives you a little bit of a mixture of everything. But also, 
there was kind of this crazy lineup, I think in the very back end of the first quarter that caught my eye. I had to write it down. It was Lou Dort at the one, Justin Jackson, Poku, and Baisley. They're at the two through four. I really don't know how to swap that around because I can't justify either of those three playing at the shooting guard position. I think Baisley probably would be the most refined there. But that's just a little bit wacky because he's our power forward right now. So we had those guys and then Mike Muscala. So it really just was like a lot of shooters in Dort, Jackson, and Muscala around Darius Baisley, who, you know, we've wanted him to take a step at a point forward role. This was the Baisley point forward lineup right there. Baisley should be your primary ball handler. And then you even have Pokachevsky having a shot at being the secondary ball handler because I don't really expect Dort, Jackson, or Muscala to be taken on those duties. So it kind of gave you just some really weird, funky lineups that as a rebuilding team, you want to see. You want to see people experimenting. Dagnall did that and it got us the W. Same goes with that second quarter. Like if it was not for that punch that the Thunder had in the second quarter, they would have walked away, blown out, going back to the peak on Friday. That's not what happened. The ability to just stay quick on their feet has saved the Thunder in so many games, and not really even saved. It has just made them so great and allowed them to be 8-9 and nine against really all odds from everyone uh, talking about the team. So just opportunities have been big, and the opportunity definitely was big for Al Horford. I just mentioned him as being able to kind of bounce back from being off for so long and how great that was. But I just want to say, like, he was able to do everything that the Oklahoma City Thunder needed to scrape out this win. The 21 points, the 21 points, the 11 rebounds, two assists, one block, and get this, a team high three steals. He was getting active on both ends of the floor. And this was the nightmare scenario for the Phoenix Suns because DeAndre Ayton, he wants to stay inside pretty much all game. He's not going to go outside because SGA will take the cake anytime he drives in with a clear path. Everyone in the league should know that by now. DeAndre Ayton and just everyone around the Suns should know that. I guarantee Chris Paul in the locker room was saying, you need to stay home. And he sure did. And it cost them a lot because Al Horford went a perfect 5 of 5 from downtown. There was little resistance from the Phoenix Suns. And it just expanded the options for the Thunder tenfold. I think SGA, once again, has just proven that he is a star in this league. We all know he's capable of driving. We all know he can shoot the three ball off this step back. But how about the passing performance he had? He had 21 points and seven rebounds, but the eight assists is what really sticks out to me. The way he was getting these were just spectacular. He had Teo Maladone kind of just hunched up in the left corner for the majority of the time he was on the floor, SGA saw him every single time he was trying to drive in, and whenever Maladone was left open, SGA was hitting him. And he wasn't just 
giving his cards away early. Like, SGA wasn't stopping his dribble to fling it over there. Like, he's constantly on the move doing no-look passes. I think he even had this, like, really statement pass where he did a little behind-the-back no-look bounce pass to Maladone in that left corner. He hits it home, and then there was another play in the fourth where SGA found Maladone for the triple. So they had six points off of just a simple pass to the left corner. I think Maladone showed a lot of promise, and SGA obviously builds up the confidence right there. He sets him up in the perfect positions. But in this one, he just really knew when he should have been in attack mode and when he should have just been looking to facilitate. And Mark Dagnalt mentioned this early in the post-game press conference with the media. The question came from Barry Trammell, and it's really funny because... I mean, I just kind of listen to, like, the post games or whatever and, like, write down stuff. I'm not in, like, Zoom calls or anything. But Barry Trammell asks Mark Dagnall, like, I think he I think he opened it up with something about, like, Chris Paul kind of running the offense late because he sure as hell did. He had a season high of 32 points in, in that game. But, yeah, he was talking about how Chris Paul was kind of taking over and he saw SGA kind of doing successful. He was like, you know what? I kind of think SGA should be taking more field goals too. What do you have to say about that? But then he kind of like backed out a little bit. He also mentioned like, you know, he's also been great at facilitating. So it wasn't just like putting Mark Dagnall on the spot. Like, should you be letting him shoot the ball more? Because that's kind of a weird question to be asking. Like, is there a right answer to that? Truthfully, I don't know. I think Mark Dagnall answered the question pretty good. I think the question by the end of it was not that bad. I'm not trying to like flame it or anything i think it was solid but i mean mark dagnall answered it i thought in a great way like he just mentioned like i said sga knows when and when not to be trying to go for buckets and when and when not to be going for uh his teammates for the buckets and he definitely he definitely understood that i mean the shots were not always going in for the 22 year old on wednesday night but when this game was up in the air down in the clutch he wanted to take the torch. He wanted to be the guy to lead the team. Whenever we were going on like hot streaks in the first half, SGA was kind of taking the backseat role, letting some of his other teammates do some of the shot making, which is completely cool. But in the fourth, when we needed somebody to trade shots off with Chris Paul, SGA was the guy. We know Chris Paul, all his signature moves in the book, whether it's him trying to bait foul calls go off of screens and then just do like some pull-up mid-ranges, running out fr from under the rim to the mid-range for middies. He does it all the time, and he was doing it a lot in this game. SGA, every single time in the fourth quarter when he had the chance, he was trying to go right at Chris Paul. And I think he had a total of seven points in the fourth quarter. A lot of them came from three throws, but they were very big. He wanted the ball with the last minute. He wanted to be taking the critical shots. And something that people were knocking uh, SGA for was his free throw shooting, especially against Portland on Monday night because I think he shot one for four in the clutch. Um, I, I think like the very final two free throws where he just iced it off and making one. I don't know if those should count, but he shot like one of four whenever the game was like really, really, really in the arm's reach of the Trailblazers. 
So it was a question. People were not sure about the playmaking. Like he was coughing the ball up. I think he did in this one. But he got everything under control. And when it mattered, he pretty much locked this game up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So nothing but respect for SGA. He knew when to pick his spots. And he just picked apart the Phoenix Suns defense in order to get everybody involved in this game. Every single one of our starters had double digits in the game. And Hamadou Diallo off the bench also dropped 10. So that just shows you the kind of point distribution we had. It was all spread around. Nobody was trying to ball hog. SGA was a main reason why we saw so many points going to so many different players. And just one thing I kind of want to mention um, from this game, and it's kind of been a trend that I've been realizing. I feel like everybody has kind of caught onto this by now, but seems like the first quarter has kind of just been like a foreshadowing for what is not to come in the rest of the game. Because whenever we played the Clippers in our, our road trip against them, our two games, we kind of started slow in both of them, but then in the second through fourth quarter, we turned up a notch and we actually, in those three quarters, we actually had a point advantage. It's just, they had such a big lead in the first, we couldn't overcome it. Against the Portland Trailblazers, we were the guys who had a really big lead. I think we had a 17-point lead in the first against the Trailblazers. They ended up turning it into a nail-biter. In those last three, they showed up. And then in the Phoenix Suns game, we started out really, really slow in the game. And the Suns, what do you know? They get that 17-point advantage in the second quarter, very early stages. And Oklahoma City claps back, gets on that huge 22-4 to run. And along with quarters three and four, they were able to handle the Phoenix Suns and get the W. So everything has kind of just been out of place. You cannot expect anything or assume anything in these Oklahoma City Thunder games. Because there are just so many unexpected variables that could appear out of nowhere in these games. We've seen it from George Hill dropping 20 pieces, Mike Muscala dropping 20 pieces, Diallo dropping 20 pieces, Kenrich Williams looking like an all-defensive team player, scoring 12 points on 6 of 6 shooting. Yeah, that happens. Isaiah Roby going off. Everyone on this team that has been playing for us really has had like breakout games. I'd say maybe the only People that I am not going to mention on that list are probably Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, and Moses Brown, but that's only because they really don't get a lot of minutes. Everyone else, though, they've had their bright spots on the year, and everybody can kind of just move around. There's so many interchangeable parts within the Thunder organization that they can get the job done on almost every night. And you don't know where the points can be coming from. So this was a very huge win for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Huge group effort after looking like the game was completely over. Did a very good job, not just on offense spreading the points around, but also on defense. We kind of expected Chris Paul to be their guy in the game. Um, with no Devin Booker, obviously he's the number one option so 32 points for him really should not be a surprise going against his former teammates he knows exactly where he needs to be going 
four points, and that's exactly what he did. But outside of him, not a lot of trusty scoring options. I mean, Jay Crowder was solid. He shot five of 16 for 17 points. But another dude, how about Abdel Nader, the former Thunder player who you may have just seen as a throw-in in the CP3 trade. No, he's a very good role player, and he showed it. He had 12 points on 5 of 9 shooting in just 19 minutes. He was instrumental in getting them the lead back in the third quarter of this game. Whenever they were able to get the lead up to 5 points. Yeah, that was largely in part due to Abdel Nader lighting it up from downtown. But one guy that I did not mention here, who I expected to completely dominate, was center DeAndre Ayton. And maybe this is because Al Horford was on him. There was no real size advantage for DeAndre Ayton. I think if he was on Roby, he would have been going in attack mode. And when Roby was on the floor, I feel like Ayton did try to turn up on him. Same with Frank Kaminsky. He actually had like an and one on Roby trying to drive in on the paint. I think he got all five of his points actually on layups over Roby. But yeah, that, that's just kind of how it is. But with Horford on Ayton, there was no serious size advantage for either of them. So Ayton was not scrapping up free rebounds, being able to flip shots right back in. No, he had a swarm of guys right around him, and he couldn't shoot right over the top of Al Horford. So he was working on him, but then we had people crashing inside, especially when they weren't getting the three ball going, and nothing was working for Ayton. So he finished with 14 rebounds, but only five points he shot the ball seven times Enos Kanner shot the ball 10 times against us you would have thought that Aiton would have been flipping this up like 15 times just seven times was not a factor in the game whatsoever that's what we need to be doing to win our ball games we need to be doing it on the defensive end and not just like knocking out the role players we need to be going after these stars first when we can take them down and limit them to just one option we should be in the spot to win this game. The Suns only had one option in Chris Paul. We had about five options. So we are going to take the game. So we move on to eight and nine. We have a shot to go nine and nine with our game against the Brooklyn Nets on Friday. For the Phoenix Suns, they move to an even eight and eight. They're hoping not to fall down to eight and nine like us, but we'll see what happens with them. This uh, Brooklyn Nets game is going to be a very fun one to talk about. I mean, last time we played them, there was no James Harden on this roster. This was Karis LeVert coming off his, like, 40-piece. I know, I remember talking about him. Maybe he could go off for a game. I think Jared Allen went off in that game. They're not on the team. Terion Prince is not with them. It's James Harden right now. So they have the three-headed monster and Kyrie Harden and Kevin Durant, we gotta be looking out for them in the game, and hey, we got Al Horford, they're having a little bit of issues at the center position, maybe we can look towards that, but I will go more into that game, and what the Thunder should be looking to do in tomorrow's game preview podcast, but that's going to wrap up today's game recap, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this one i had a really fun time writing this one up because this was a game that was all over the place really just a down to the wire one love watching those as a fan but yeah 
that wraps up this one. I hope you all enjoyed listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.